when we first opened the church 10 years ago, we decided that we were going to have kind of a, a verse for the congregation. What, what we were going to base ourselves on. So we settled on Acts 2, verse 42. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. We took that verse and we came up with the three things you hear us talk about every Sunday. What we focus on, what we promise you we're going to do our very best to get right is teaching the truth of God's Word every week straight out of the Bible. Second thing is prayer. God invited us to be people of prayer. And in, in Acts chapter 242, the people dedicated themselves to prayer. And the third thing is worship. And we know that we are going to spend all of eternity worshiping God. But worship comes in a lot of different forms. It isn't just happen, what happens on Sunday morning. It uh, should be our whole life, an exercise of our whole life. And so 10 years ago, we settled on that verse. And uh, here we are 10 years later. We haven't changed a thing. The three things are still what we focus on. And uh, we're going to stick with them uh, for the next 10 years. Good morning, church. Can we pray together, please? Um, Heavenly Father, <clears throat> I thank you so much for this house that you called into existence. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I would ask now, God, that the words that... I have prepared for your people will be pleasing to you. Anything that might not come from you, God, I just ask that you bind it. And then just give us all open hearts and open minds to receive what you would have for us this morning. It's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. You probably noticed that I'm not Pastor Steve. Did the beard, no beard, give it away. <clears throat> I am Daydree. I am not a pastor. I am not a preacher, but I am a passionate worship leader, and I'm also Pastor Steve's wife. Over the last few weeks, Steve has been on his first ever long overdue mini sabbatical after 23 years of full-time ministry, almost 12 years with just the open door alone. I was there with Steve in 1995 when we moved our family to seminary housing for four long years. I was there and with Steve in 1999 when we moved our family yet again to his first time call. He is using this precious time to refresh, to soul keep, and to fix his eyes on his creator and his redeemer. Friends, this is a biblical principle modeled for us in the Bible. In the Bible, we are given example after example of God's anointed separating themselves away from their called ministries to spend time alone in prayer Lean into God so they can have a clear and divine direction and, move, and remove distractions for soul refreshment with the Father. Moses went to the mountaintop. Jesus went alone to the quiet places to pray and commune with his Father. Steve and I had the privilege of going to Israel, and we stood on the top of uh, Ermos Topos, overlooking the Sea of Galilee, which was one of Jesus' quiet spots. In addition to other places, he had quiet time like the Garden of Gethsemane, which we also saw. And remember, a few weeks ago, Elijah went away to the desert and the cave. These are only a few examples, but I am excited to say that next Sunday, we will have the opportunity to hear from Pastor Steve live and in person. 
You can clap. I'm excited to see his luxurious beard, as Junior called it. You may have also noticed behind me on the pallet wall is God at work. That is thanks to Bill Gabbert. We have had this phrase up for a few weeks, but in reality, it could be a permanent phrase for us. God has been at work in this place long before it became the open door. For 60 years prior to our arrival, this place has been holy ground as a Decision Hills Christian Bible camp. God is at work in the present through his people and circumstances. And what you will learn if you spend any time with us, God will keep working until he comes again. I also want to reassure you that it does look like there's a lot of papers, but it's really big font because I'm so nervous. Last Sunday, we were privileged to witness six powerful salvation testimonies from people who called the Open Door their church family. If you haven't seen the service, please do. You can find it on our website, our app, Facebook, or YouTube. In Acts 5.20, it says, Go stand in the temple courts and tell the people all about this new life. These folks rocked it. They shared who they were before they met Jesus, how or when Jesus became real to them, and who they are now. These testimonies are modeled after Saul's conversion to Paul on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. Today, I'm going to share in the temple courts the open door testimony and remind you where we came from and some milestones along the way. When Pastor returns, he will give us a glimpse of where we, the open door church, are going in the future. One very wise man aptly said very early in our history that God has placed his name on this church. Friends, we are in very exciting days. Now, if I would have thought about it, I would have had a soundtrack bringing us back in time. A beautiful, kind, and godly man named Harlow Johnson approached Pastor Steve over 12 years ago. He had been a part of the Lutheran Church his entire life, but he was troubled and dismayed about the direction of the church. He said, God deserves better, and we need to reach those who don't yet know Jesus. He wanted to plan a church that would be based upon the three things Cindy reminded us this morning and the things that we say each and every week, God's word, worship, and prayer. He knew Steve was the right and anointed person for the call. To be honest, when they approached me with this idea, well, I emphatically said, no way. In addition to leading worship, I am also a financial advisor. This was financial suicide. No financial or denominational backing, no retirement plan, no health insurance, no building. The list of no's was very long. In addition, in all honesty, I was ready to pack up our family and move back to Florida. Attend church, but not have any part of participating in, and definitely not leading a church. My goal was to have Steve join my financial practice and get out of Dodge. You see, when... We began this journey 23 years ago. We were fresh, we were excited, and we were full of godly vision for a call in ministry. Certainly, we witnessed God at work throughout our time in ministry. Certainly, there was evidence of good fruit. We have made lifetime friendships, and our nuclear family has become close-knit and strong. But we also experienced unimaginable, hurtful lies, Brutal rumors from people inside the church and in the community, 
We would laugh about how preposterous and outlandish these things were that were being said and spread, many within earshots of our two youngest daughters. Did you know that you can literally say anything you want about a person and it doesn't have to have a shred of of truth for people to believe it? Many people love drama and they delight to spread lies to tear down others for a variety of reasons and agendas, and I'm glad that I don't know why they do that. I have found that even who are presented with the truth, they would prefer to believe the rumor or lie because it's juicier. It's human nature. Outwardly, we laugh, but inwardly over time, it can crush your soul if you let it in. Words can speak life or they can speak death. But God is at work. And just like that, I'm dating myself, shazam! God changed my heart and my mind about this church plant. Do you know why? Because apparently both Steve and Harlow prayed that my heart and mind would be changed. And in Luke 137, it says, for nothing is impossible with God. Because our two girls had grown up with front row seats into the inner and sometimes ugly and personally hurtful workings of the church, we let them know that we had no expectations in their attendance or involvement with this plant. We gave them permission to attend the church of their choosing. The reason I share this is that the open door continues to be our girls' home church. And now they have their own families, and they're also a part of it. They love this place like we do. The last time Willow was here visiting, she sat next to me and she looked sad. And I asked her, what's wrong? And she said, I just miss being here. Seven people first met in our living room and then weekly in a coffee shop in New London, setting out to be a light in the community in Acts 2.42 church. This passage says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily who were being saved. We set out to be this church. One that wasn't started to stand against any other church or denomination, but rather one that would be a refuge for people who had been hurt by the church, a place for people who didn't have a church, who felt like they didn't fit in or who had just been driven out of church, and for people, obviously, who didn't yet know Jesus. Those same seven signed a contract to rent the Seventh-day Adventist church, or what we fondly refer to it as the Church on the Pond in New London, They met on Saturday, so they happily allowed us to use their worship space on Sundays. We quickly outgrew that space before the year was up, and we set to praying. We initially said we weren't interested in owning a property. We considered renting a space in Wilmer and had also been offered free space in Bruton and in Painesville. But but Steve discerned powerfully that we had to stay in this area because we had been praying constantly about our 17-mile radius Of reaching people. God is at work. 
It just so happened in God's beautiful and intricate timing that there was a person who was desperately trying to sell a building, and it just so happened that we needed space to worship. The open door was now a warehouse church in New London. Initially, we only used one side of the building and rented out the other, but God continued to add to our numbers so that we needed the entire building. We now lovingly refer to it as our North 40 campus. Guess what, friends? We fairly quickly outgrew that space as well. Restrictive parking, no ability to add on to the building, so our elders went to work on looking for new possibilities. And yet again, God is at work. Decision Hills went up for sale during that season that we were exploring our options, but we couldn't afford the asking price of $6.4 million, so the exploration continued and Decision Hills went off the market. Our elders and other leaders prayed incessantly. We were at capacity. We didn't have the option of multiple service times because of our parking situation. Someone reached out to the Methodist Church, and again, in God fashion, we learned that Decision Hills was again on the market. Pastor Steve has shared many times about the amazing God circumstances that have brought us to where we are now. We did not have to pay $6.4 million. The Methodist Church loved our God story, and they chose to make it an affordable arrangement for us to pay it off in two stages, thus the capital campaign that we launched last fall. We joyfully and gratefully call this place our Decision Hills Open Door Campus. When we opened the doors in 2017, we had a single service time, but we also started live streaming. And the Lord added to our numbers. Now we have two Sunday services per week, live and in person. Thank you for all being here. And two Sunday services live online. Thank you for tuning in. We have four buildings across two campuses that serve and speak life into our young people on Wednesday evenings, a growing recovery church that meets weekly at North 40, life groups that meet throughout the week in people's homes and on campus, and weekly men's and women's Bible studies, and that's not even the tip of the iceberg. Friends, please hear me that this is not boasting but rather a real and exciting testimony of God's divine plan for our church. We are living our mission out loud. Our mission is to love Jesus, love people, and to teach people to love Jesus. Our mission and our three things haven't changed since the very beginning, but where and how we carry it out has changed and will have to continue to change. We no longer have a 17-mile radius-sized dream of reaching people young and older for the name of Jesus. God has a much bigger and a more audacious radius than that. We have people who walk through our doors every single week from all over the state. We have a church family who literally journey nearly every week from Benson, Kingston, Sauk Center, Olivia, just to name a few cities. We have church family who join us live stream or watch recorded services from literally all over the country and all over the globe. I know because I track our metrics, my other, my other job. I recently shared with our Wednesday night life group that there are salvation testimonies like we heard last Sunday, but that our lives should reflect a lifetime of testimonies because if we, play, if we pay close attention we encounter Jesus continually in both good and difficult circumstances. 
If we only remember our salvation testimony, it becomes a monument we visit rather than a lifetime of transformation to become more and more into the likeness of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I am definitely and thankfully not the same person who I was when I first encountered Jesus. That testimony testimony may be for another day. I told you at the beginning that I didn't want to plant this church. I felt beat up. I felt very broken and bitter from my experiences inside the church from the perspective of a pastor's wife. As I mentioned earlier, churches and the people in them can be some of the world's most cruel Divisive, cutthroat, and at times just plain evil. Being a pastor family is unlike any other. We learn quickly, repeatedly, and painfully that, the pe- that people love you until they don't. We didn't get to spend holidays with other family or spend weekends like other friends or family around us. Over the years, because of geography and always choosing church first, along with a host of other reasons, had left me alienated from my own family of origin. My father has passed away, and since that day, I have become completely estranged from my mother, my brother, and my sister. In a really, in a real sense, I became an orphan. As my daughter Kirsten used to say, we live in circle stories. Jesus became real to me again through that beautiful man named Harlow who wanted to plant a church I initially didn't want any part of. In my heart, I know and trust that God is my heavenly father through the promises in scripture, Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. But Jesus, in his abounding grace and love, brought Harlow to me. He became my spiritual father. He knew I was broken and he loved me anyway. And he loved me through it. What an amazingly beautiful example of how you and I can be Jesus to those around us. Planting this church has given me, my husband, our children, and now our grandchildren hope, renewed passion for Jesus, and a restored love for his church and his people. Friends, I am not an orphan anymore. I know I have a father in heaven, and my family is you. You opened our church. But make no mistake, God's name has been placed on the open door. But it is fragile because it's full of people. We need to do our part to be Jesus to one another. 
live in unity, not division. Carry each other's burdens and choose in every moment to speak life into those around us. Proverbs 18.21 The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And again in Proverbs 30.32 Do not confess the negative thoughts in your mind. Rather speak life to every situation around you. A few weeks ago, a guest speaker gave a prophetic word for our church. He told us, you are a chosen family, and God is going to pour out his spirit on you. Why here? God just loves to surprise and send gifts, so why not here? Wonderful things will happen in this house that are beyond our, your ability to imagine, so stop quibbling about little stuff. Stop it. The enemy wants to derail your mission to reach your community and far beyond with diversions. Center on hearing from God your personal role in this mission. Ask God, how do you want me to support what you are doing here? God is at work. He has a divine plan for me, for you, and for the open door. If you do not yet have a personal relationship with Jesus. It's no accident that you are here today or watching today online. All you have to do is admit you are a sinner, repent, and invite him into your heart. He's been waiting all along. I am blessed beyond measure serving as your worship leader. There is honestly no greater privilege. I love God's church and I'm thrilled to call you my church family. Whoa, I admit I'm still a work in progress, though. <clears throat> I know that I can be guarded, measured, and outwardly serious at times. Believe me, it has been an effective defense mechanism that I have perfected over time. But I know that that's not God's design on my life. I am not who I was before Jesus became real to me. I am not who I was before this church came into existence. And I invite and welcome God's Holy Spirit to continue to work in who he wants me to become. Will you pray about what God is doing in you? And then together, as the Open Door family, will you join me to help carry out his divine plan and mission for this house? Thank you for letting me share. Instead of ending in a prayer, I want to have Peggy show a video that was created in, two, in 2017, and it just shows how consistent we are as a church. Thank you. The Open Door Christian Church opened up in August of 2010, and since then, God has blessed us with consistent and steady growth to the point that in 2017, we realized we had just simply outgrown the space that we were in, and we began looking for new land, either to build a new church or a new building that we could move into that had a bigger parking lot. We had been looking at all kinds of other pieces of land, everything that was available that was of a size that might work for us, and there was not one single a piece of land or building that was made available, not one. 
And uh, we got a group of guys together that started praying, and someone made the suggestion that maybe we should contact the folks that own Decision Hills. And it very clearly was God that just led us down that road and opened doors all over the place. We really didn't choose it. I think God chose it for us and made it available. And we were uh, just well enough aware through the prayer that we had been doing to realize that this was the next step for us. The vision for the open door really has never changed. We knew that we were called early on to be a place of healing, to be a place of speaking biblical truth, to be a place of loving people where they were and welcoming them, uh, being a place that had honest hospitality, not that uh, we weren't trying to be pretending anything. We just wanted to love people and be glad that they came to, to hear God's word spoken through our worship service. And we knew early on that God wanted us to be a place that uh, provided healing for folks that had been hurt, whether it was through life or in the church, uh, to be a place that raised up and sent pastors, to be a place that raised up and sent and supported and even welcomed here as a place to rest missionaries, and to be a place that really understood worship and that that's what we're going to do for all of eternity in heaven. And so we knew that we were called to teach people to worship, to lead worship, and to train up worship leaders. And so that vision really has never changed. What's exciting is with the purchase of the Decision Hills property, we see one piece of land where all of those pieces can come together and we can actually see how God's going to use one piece of property to give life and, and to give a home to all of those different things that we've known we were called to be about for eight years.